If you have your Bibles, First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter four. We're going to read verses one through four, then we're going to skip and read verse seven. Verses one through four. Chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica, the church there, the believers there, those that are hungering, thirsting for Christ, and he's writing to them to instruct them. And this is what he says, finally then, brothers and sisters, we request and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received instructions from us as to how you ought to walk and please God, something that truly blessed my heart was when I was reading this and studying for this I started to think about how these Christians had to wait for the for the instruction to come from the apostles and how how blessed we are to live when we live to have the written word of God the Holy Spirit breathed word of God to instruct us every single day in every moment of our lives that we can open it up and literally see God in it get us through whatever situation we're going through we ain't got to wait on, on someone to send us a letter, but rather the letter's right here. It's, it's right here. How beautiful is that? His word will instruct us on how to, how to live for him. Just as you actually do walk, it says, that you excel even more. So you've been doing good, but we urge you to excel even more. Continue to go after him. Continue to hunger for him. Continue to receive instruction from him so that you can be sanctified by him. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Your sanctification. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Verse 7 says, For God has not called us for impurity but in sanctification father we thank you for your word this morning we thank you for it we thank you that you give us fresh manna from heaven every day in the midst of whatever we're going through and it can be found in your word this word of god Lord, we thank you for that. I pray this morning, Lord, that this word would go forth like a seed and would find itself on fertile soil in the hearts of every man, woman, and child in this place today, I pray. And even watching online, I pray that, God. Lord, by your spirit, I pray that you would conform us into your image and into your likeness. Jesus, make us look more like you today. Make us love a little bit more like you today. Have us talk a little bit more like like you today, Jesus. By the end of our time today, Lord, I pray that you would just change us a little bit more. I pray that. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Before you're seated, just tell your neighbor, so good to see you, love you, appreciate you. God bless you. Good morning. Good morning. Well, it's good to see everybody. 
Man, I hope you guys are, are happy to be here. I will say this, you guys are the righteous ones. You made it through the snow. You must be really close to God. Everybody else that stayed home, not so much. I'm just saying. But so we pray the, the judgment of God. No, I'm just kidding. No, but they're telling us we're going to get a bunch of snow, man. Eight to 18 inches or something crazy. We're going to get church in first. Amen. Amen. I won't have you here real, real long today, just two hours, but um, no, but it's good to see you. So listen, we are in this series titled The House of Miracles. Forget that the House of Miracles actually is the title. House of, of Miracles. And, and man, we've, we've been in this series for five weeks. Today is week Six And when we started this series off, we did what we call just an introductory message, right? We, we, we just kind of said where we were headed so that we were all on the same page and uh, prepared to go where the Lord wanted us to go together. And so we did an introductory message. Then we jumped to the miracle of salvation. And what an incredible miracle it is. The lost being found the dead coming alive once again. That's literally what it is. It's people being born again is what the Bible, is what the Bible says. It's, it's the blind now seeing. It's, it's an incredible miracle, salvation. It's the greatest of all miracles, matter of fact. And I can prove it. In Mark chapter eight, Jesus makes this statement. He says this, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? What does it profit them to gain the entire world, but then forfeit their soul? Now, obviously, Jesus here is speaking directly about money, but this, this applies to our lives in multiple facets of ways that we can, we can receive and glean from it. Because without the, the miracle of salvation, this, this miracle of multiplication, which is what Jesus is dealing specifically with there, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world, to multiply in his lands, to multiply in his livestock and in his bank accounts, what would it profit him to gain the whole world, to experience this miracle of multiplication, but yet forfeit his soul because he never experienced the miracle of salvation? Are you with me? Are you with me? This applies to any miracle, by the way. Any miracle. Because without the miracle of salvation, the miracle of any type of healing is in vain. It's done in vain. Because what would it profit a man or a woman to gain their eyesight, to, to regain hearing, to, to be able to walk again? What would it profit them to do that, but yet forfeit their very soul? The miracle of salvation is the foundation of every other miracle and walking in the fullness of it. Without it, everything else is meaningless in this life. And this is what King Solomon had to say. Now, King Solomon was the wisest man ever born on this earth from a man and a woman. Now, we excluding Jesus. Jesus wasn't born of a man, a seed from a man. He was a seed from God, right? But this was a man and a woman come together to have a baby, name him King Solomon, King David and Bathsheba. And God makes him the wisest human on the face of the planet. And he gets to the end of his life and he writes this book called Ecclesiastes. You ought to go read it. It's right at the end of his life. And the super wise man, he says this, he says, I have looked and seen over everything that I have built, over the toil of my hands, what I've spent my whole life building. And what you got to understand, he built the most prosperous nation the world had ever seen. 
Under his leadership, Israel was the most powerful nation in the world. Under his leadership, it was the richest nation in the world. What he had built was incredible. And he gets to the end of his life. He knows it's all about to end. And he says, man, I look over and see all that I've built. And I realize it's all meaningless. It absolutely means nothing. The businesses I've built, the money that I've made, the battles that I've won, the success of, of me and, and all those things. It's all meaningless. And his entire point was, was this, not to tell us, don't worry about working and, and creating. Like, that's not what he was saying. What he was saying is this, that what would it profit a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul? The entire message was, unless you serve the Lord your God with your whole heart, with your whole mind, and with your whole soul, then everything else on this earth is absolutely meaningless. See, we've got to, receive and believe this miracle of salvation. And the Bible's clear, and, and the Bible makes it extremely, extremely clear, amen. I'm gonna talk here, praise the Lord. Makes it extremely clear that if we can, if we believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouths that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father, we are saved, we're saved. The Bible says this, that when we give our lives to Jesus, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It's amazing that we are now in right standing with our heavenly father. And after this takes place and after we do this, we choose to, to give our lives to Jesus. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter what, what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It, it only matters at that point who you who you serve, who you've given your life to. It's the greatest miracle, the miracle of, of salvation. And then after we talked about that and we walked through that, we talked about the miracle of intercession. And what an incredible miracle that God has given us in this place of prayer and intercession. Not only do we get to communicate with heaven, but we get the right to invite heaven to this earth. Invite heaven to intervene on the earth on our behalf. This is what prayer and intercession, this is the miracle of it. See, we gotta realize that prayer and intercession is more than just communication with God. We've reduced it to just communication, but it's actually much more. It's an invitation. It's God, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're inviting him to come and have his will and his way in our lives and upon the earth and in the lives of those around us. And we spent three weeks talking about that, the miracle of intercession and the miracle of prayer and now, obviously, look, we, we didn't even scratch the surface. I mean, we didn't begin to scratch the surface on the depths that we can go with God in the place of prayer through the power of prayer. We didn't even scratch it. But hopefully what it did do was spark an interest and spark a desire to go after God in the place of prayer in our hearts and in our spirits. That we'll start pursuing God through prayer and intercession. And so that brings us today and the message today is titled this, Miracle of Sanctification. Say that with me, Miracle of Sanctification. One more time, Miracle of Sanctification. We're gonna do it again until everybody says it. Mir no, just kidding. Miracle, <clears throat> miracle of Sanctification. And listen, what a miracle this is, and we've gotta understand it. 
What a miracle it is that God can take broken human flesh that's made out of dust and form us into his image and into his likeness, making us like him in all things is what the Bible says. What a miracle it is. What a miracle it is. Now, remember, you know, I said this in week one, actually, and because I told you guys kind of where we were going. Maybe that's why there's a bunch of empty seats today. Not only the snow, but I told you we're going to talk about sanctification, <laughs> giving your life fully to God. Some people praise the Lord. That's tough at times. But I told you in week one and in, in, in last week, actually, that salvation is the promise. It's the promise, but sanctification is the process, right? If you're taking notes, you should write that down. If you're not, you should be. Praise the Lord. But it's true, man. Salvation is the promise. Sanctification is the process that we must go through. It's it's an incredible thing, man. Salvation, see, is the greatest miracle, but yet it's not the final miracle. Salvation is the greatest, but it's not the final. God wants to take us through this process of knowing him and becoming like him and walking according to his promises and his, his ways. Now, look, we, we have no problem enjoying the promises of God. And to be honest with you, I, I love preaching and teaching on the promises of God. It's a lot easier to do that with you guys, to preach the promises. And, and we love to sing about the promises of God, that last song we just sang. I mean, I love that song. It's incredible. May his favor be upon you, man, for a thousand generations, your family, your children, and their children, and their children. Right? May his presence go before you, that you'll know he's with you. And, it, and, and it's amazing and it's great. And the reason it's so great is because it's so true. That's why it's great, because it's true. So we're good with the promises of God. However, the Bible is clear that the promises of God come to pass in our lives as we allow God to walk us through the process that he set before us. To walk us through his process, not our own process, but rather as we walk through his process. There's a process that he wants to take us on, but, but that's tough to hear sometimes, man, because we would just like the promises, but, but forget the process. Just give me the promise. You know, it's funny. So a few years ago, the Lord took me into a vision with him. And I've had just a handful of visions in my life. My wife has them all the time, probably because she's more holier than, than I am, but at least she thinks so. But according to me, I am. I will guide her. But, but the Lord takes me into this vision and he shows me this huge buffet. It's a huge buffet. And the reason he took me into it, because I was asking the Lord, I was like, Lord, what, why are we having so much trouble walking through this thing called sanctification. Why is it so hard on us, man? Why, why do we struggle with it and toil across it? And so the Lord took me in and he showed me this huge buffet line, huge. And the buffet was beautiful, man. It was, it was made out of crystal and it was gold trimmed and it was really cool. And do you know how like when you walk up to the buffet, they have the labels of the food on top of it, whatever they want to call that thing, the sneeze guard or the awning or whatever. It's right in my way. I bump my head every time. But it, it says, you know, whatever the food is. I always think this, that if I can't tell what I'm looking at, if I don't know what that is, you got to tell me I'm not going to eat it. But it just labels it, right? It has mashed potatoes, corn, green beans, meatloaf, and so forth and so on. But 
What was different about this buffet was, is when I walked up to the buffet, instead of it having the different types of food on the labels, it had the different attributes of God on the labels. And so when I walked up, instead of having mashed potatoes, corn, green beans, and, and meatloaf, it had, it had peace and grace and patience and joy and power and salvation. It had all these different attributes of God on this thing. And this thing stretched as far as the eye could see. I couldn't see the end of it. It was just, it was forever. And the Lord said to me, he said, this is why you struggle with the process. Because you treat me like I'm a buffet. Like you can come up and just take what you want from me. So, so you get to the buffet and you come to God and you say, oh, yeah, grace, I'll take a double portion of grace. I like grace because I need all the grace I can get. Praise the Lord. I promise you I do. But I'll take a double portion of that. And then I get to mercy. Oh, yeah, I like mercy. So I'm going to have a little bit of mercy. Take, take one of those. And peace, yeah. Man, I raise a couple kids and they're getting ready to be teenagers. And so I need a lot of peace. Praise God. Right? Like, and so we, we want these different attributes. Salvation, praise God. I definitely want that. And then we get to power. And yeah, I'll take a triple portion of power. I want to see the dead raised and, and blind eyes opened. And because Jesus said I could. He said that even greater works than these will, he, will we do if we continue to follow him because he goes to the Father and sends his Holy Spirit to live in us. The Apostle Paul says it this way, that the same Spirit that rose Christ from the, from the dead lives in you and in me. And so, yes, I see this power and I want the power, so I'll take a triple portion of the power. But as we continue to walk this walk with Christ, what starts to come is discipline. And now we got down the road a little bit with the Lord. The honeymoon phase is over, just being honest. Now the reality of the marriage has struck, right? And wow, I got disciplined because I'm, I'm messing up. And God disciplines those that he loves like a father disciplines a child. Discipline, ah, I don't really want that. Sacrifice, no, I'm, I'm good. Although the Bible says we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, acceptable and holy unto God. And we get to sanctification and we're like, nah, I'm good on that. I'll take all the previous stuff. I'll take, I'll take those things, peace and grace and joy. I'll take those, but the, but the rest of it, God, you can keep it. But see, God says that it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. He said to me, when you come to me, you get all of me. And when you come to me, I get all of you. Not some of you, I want every single bit of you. The good, the bad, the ugly. The difference is, is there's nothing bad in God, there's only good. Even the discipline's only good. Even the sacrifice, it's giving up something we shouldn't have anyway. It's only good, because God's only good. But he wants all of us and we're to take all of, of him. But because we treat him like a buffet and because we treat him like he's a, a Burger King, right? Like we can have it our way. Forgetting and not realizing he's the king of kings, not just a burger king. He tells us the way it's going to be. How we're going to follow him and pursue him and live our lives for, for him. But because we treat him this way, man, we struggle in the process of sanctification. It's a, it's a struggle. You know, Jesus says this. He says, the only type of saving faith is faith that endures to the end. So in other words, the faith that'll go through the process will be the faith that saves you. 
The only type of salvation is the salvation that makes it to the end. The salvation that is willing to go through the process from heaven. That's the salvation that will make it. You know, the Bible declares this over us. It says, you must be holy as he is holy. That's what the Bible tells us. You are to be holy as I am holy. It says that God desires to take us from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory with him. The apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter one, it says that the gospel reveals the righteousness of God and it leads us from faith to faith. It's sanctifying us, this gospel message, revealing to us the righteousness of God and depositing righteousness within us. It sanctifies us. You know, in Matthew chapter five, we've got Jesus, right? He preaches the most famous message on the planet, the Sermon on the Mount. At least that's what we call it. I'm sure he didn't call it that, but he might've. Sermon on the Mount. Now, during this sermon, he starts off, he launches off into it, giving us what we call the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are they, and it goes on and on and on, right? Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see God. And it goes through all these different Beatitudes is what we call it. Just simply saying, this is what Jesus is telling his followers. This is how your attitude should be when you follow me. This is how you have to follow me. And then he continues on throughout that chapter in chapter five, and he begins to say that we're to be the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth. And if salt loses its saltiness, in other words, if we're not different, if we're not showing the world another way to live, if we're not showing the world Christ in our lives, through our marriages and through our interactions with our coworkers, well, then we've lost our saltiness and saltiness is no good at all. He says, you are to be the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. He tells us to love our enemies, pray for those that hate us and bless those that curse us. This are the things, these are the things that sanctifies us. And then he wraps up chapter five, and this is insane. Be perfect as my father in heaven is perfect. All of this dealing with this miracle of sanctification. See, the Bible's clear. The Bible says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out, walk it out. It says that we are to walk in a manner worthy to the Lord, pleasing him in all respects of our lives, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, increasing in it. This is the miracle of sanctification. You guys with me? Amen. amen. Say ouch or say amen. Yeah. I said ouch when I was writing it, but it's true. Let's define sanctification. Let's define it. So you know what it, what it means. Sanctification is this, to walk away from evil, to walk away from evil, walk away from it. And not or, not or, but and. And to be set apart for God. So there's two parts to sanctification, to this equation of sanctification, two parts. Walking away from evil and be set apart for God. Did you know the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season? 
that it's pleasurable. The reason we have trouble and struggles going through the process of sanctification is because our flesh enjoys the sin that it does and that it's done. It enjoys it. It's pleasurable to it. It's, it's, it's fun. And so this is why we have a hard time walking away from it. To, to deny that is to deny the very, the very essence of what the flesh is. It's just the truth. Matter of fact, Romans chapter seven, the apostle Paul, he makes it real clear. He says, man, the things I don't wanna do, I find myself doing those things. The evil I don't wanna do, I find myself doing. And the good that I wanna find myself doing, I can't seem to find myself doing those good things. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this sinful man, this sinful nature. But he goes on to say, thanks be to God who has delivered me from this nature through Christ Jesus. In other words, I can now walk away from evil and not towards evil. I, I can choose to walk away, walk away from it. Now, now I want you to hear me, I want you to hear me. The only way that you and I walk away from sin and then be set apart for God is through a relationship with Jesus, that's it. There's no other way. We can't save ourselves. We can't white knuckle it hard enough to walk away from evil. We can't sanctify ourselves. Because I don't want you to get this confused with, with what I'm, I'm saying. Pay attention. Salvation is not a matter of what we do. It's not a matter of what we do. We can't be good enough to save ourselves. It's only by grace through faith that we are saved, lest no man should boast. So that we all understand it, we're not good enough, we're, not, we're none of these things apart from Christ to be able to save ourselves. So again, salvation, right, is not a matter of what we can do. However, what we do does matter. It's not a matter of what we do, but what we do does matter. The choices we make in our lives, it matters. But it's not gonna be by power nor by might, but by my spirit declares the Lord of hosts. So yes, we are to walk away from evil. Yes. Matter of fact, the Bible actually, it ups, ups the ante on us. It doesn't just say walk away from evil. It says run from evil. Look at your neighbor, say run from it. Tell him, run from it. It says to flee from temptation. Don't just walk away from it. Don't just dabble in it. Don't even be close to it. Man, take off sprinting the other way from it. but it's tough because of our sinful nature. It's tough to get through that first part, to walk away from evil. So that's the, that's the first part of the equation to sanctification. Walk away from evil. But the other part, to be set, to be set apart from God, it's so good to recognize that it's two parts, that it's, that it's both of these things put together. Because here's the truth, some people are, good people, right? They are, they're good people. Good by the world's standards of, of good, right? They're moral people. In other words, right? They, they, they don't do evil things. They don't do, they don't do against things against the law. They don't do drugs. They, they're, they're good to their wives and their husbands and their kids and they work hard and, and provide for their families. They're good people. And so if it was enough just to walk away from evil, then people could sanctify themselves. 
But see, it's, it's not enough. We can't be good enough to sanctify ourselves. It's a two-part equation. So in order to, to complete it, we've not only got to walk away from evil, but we got to be set apart for God. And church, what we do in this life matters. How we live our lives, our everyday lives matter. How we conduct ourselves before other people, it matters. It matters. It speaks to whether or not we've been set apart for Christ. It speaks to it. The choices you make matter. It matters. You know, the Bible says in Galatians chapter five, it says to be led by the spirit and not by the flesh. Led by the spirit so that you don't gratify the flesh. It also says that. That's a choice. Do you want to choose to be led by the spirit and do the things that we've got to do in order to be led by the spirit or do you want to gratify the flesh? This is a, a choice and, and the Bible's clear. We must choose this day whom we are going to serve, what we are going to do with our lives. You know, I was thinking about the disciples, right? When Jesus came to them, they had a choice to make. He comes up, he says, drop your nets, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They had to choose right then what to do. What do they want to do? Because they, they could have kept doing what they had been doing. They could have kept living how they had lived up to that point, but now they chose to walk with Jesus. And think about the process. It was a three-year process. And it's not like they made it through it squeaky clean. Hear me, God is perfecting us. We're not perfect yet. That's what Christ was saying. Allow me to sanctify you so that you can be perfect as my heavenly father is, is perfect. See, it's an amazing truth that a righteous man falls seven times, but every time he gets right back up. So they didn't walk perfectly, but God walked right with them and was sanctifying through every single failure, every single success. It's incredible. But our choices matter the way we walk away from evil, but also so that we make sure we set ourselves apart for God. And here's the thing, man, we can't get it twisted. God wants to completely change us. He wants to completely change you, leaving none of you left in you, none. Not even a little bit. You know, I run into people often that say, well, this is just who I am and this is the way it is and you just gotta reset, accept me for me and you know, because God accepts me for, for me. Actually, that's not true. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. The Bible doesn't teach that. God meets us where we are, yes, but to take us to where he is, not to leave us where we are and who we are. See, God doesn't, doesn't show up and meet us where we are in the midst of our pride and arrogance just to leave us pride and arrogant. God doesn't show up and meet us right where we are in the midst of our addictions and then just leave us addicted. God doesn't show up and meet us in our sexual immorality for us to continue in sexual immorality. No, no, he comes to where you are to take you to where he is. He doesn't show up in the midst of your stinking thinking and then leave you in your stinking thinking. No, he wants to renew your minds, completely transform you, completely change you, See, God meets us where we are with salvation, but then he takes us to where he is through sanctification, making us look like his son, Jesus. That's the goal. From the moment we get saved and we give our lives to Christ, God begins to transform us into the image of 
Jesus. See, he wants us to walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, act like Jesus, love people like Jesus loves people. He, he wants to sanctify us so that we are exact clones of Jesus, and then he wants to unleash us on the earth to go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's the point. To completely change us. And he does this through the miracle of sanctification. But man, we have a hard time walking away from evil. But also being set apart for God. And I was thinking about that, right? I was thinking about how it's, it's difficult to be set apart for God in the times that we live in. So many things pushing and pulling and prodding and begging for our attention, trying to take our eyes off of Jesus. It's constant, every day, all day. And I was thinking about that, right? And I, I started to think about how they call the society that we live in, this generation, our time, a microwave society, right? How many of you have ever heard that, microwave society? Nobody but two people. Okay, praise God. Well, anyway, they say that. I can just tell you that they say that and they really don't. But <clears throat> no, but they do, right? Psychology, psychiatrists in that, they call it a microwave society. Meaning this, we have the mentality that I want what I want and I want it right now. I don't want to wait. So that meal that would tip, typically take me 40 minutes to make, I can throw it for a minute and a half in a microwave. Boom, got it. It's all good. Hammer it down. A microwave society. We don't like to wait on anything. And if we have to wait on it, we'll lose interest in it. Which single ladies, let me tell you, if he won't wait on it, he ain't worth it. Do you hear me? But we don't want to wait on it. No matter what it is, we're good. I don't want to wait, man. I need, I need it now. This is why sanctification is so difficult for us to walk through as, as Christians. It's hard because we want it now. But see, sanctification is a process. It takes time. It takes time. How many of you remember going to school? You guys gotta lift your hand. I mean, that was a set up question, right? <laughs> we all remember going to school, I, I think, I hope. <clears throat> yeah. And, and do you guys remember how in school, like over the summer, they would give you a list of like 20 or 30 books or something, right? And you'd have to pick off their three, maybe four books or whatever. And you, you would do your summer reading. You, do you guys remember that? Anybody? Yeah. Okay. Paul says, no, he never read a book in his life. Okay. So anyway, in school, you would have to pick two or three of these books and you have to read the books from front to cover, right? From front to back. And then you had to go and take the test, right? To, in order to pass the test. How many of you read the books from front to cover? Come on, tell me. How many of you did? You guys are amazing. I did too. I'm just kidding. I definitely didn't. <clears throat> There's no way I was reading that. I tell people now, I just read the Bible. I don't read nothing else, just the Bible. But <clears throat> now let me ask this question. How many of you read the, the spark notes? But back when I was a kid, they called it something different. It was cliff notes, right? That's what they called it when we were, when we were kids. Okay, so I'm a little bit older, but, but, but now they call it spark notes, right? They call it the spark notes. This is what that is. And so what happens is, is they take this, this big old book and somebody would read it from cover to cover. And, and in this case, this book is Les Miserables. That's what it's called. My wife told me, no, that's not how it is pronounced, but I like it. Les Miserables. So I'm getting my French, you know what I'm saying? She's like, honey, that's not what you call it. 
I'm like, I don't even care. I'll just say it the way I want. But anyway, that's what this book is, and it's real big. See how, see how, how fat it is? That's a big book, man. But what happened is, is, is some kids, a group of kids, college kids, they all came together. They read it. There was a bunch of them. They all read this front to back, front to back, front to back, front to back. They took notes. They took notes. They took notes. Then they came together, and they formed a little book, a Spark Notes version, just a smaller version. And what they did is they broke it down into just a couple major themes that this big old book tells you about and walks you through it all, the process of it, it walks you through it. This skips all that and gives you just the theme. And then it also breaks down all the different characters and it gives all the pedigree, the necessary pedigree on the characters so that if you were ever asked about the book, you could talk about it and perhaps even pass the test on it. And the idea behind the Spark Notes version, right, was to make people not have to read the whole book. They took this huge book, made it into a shorter, much shorter version of the book. And they did this so that people could take a shortcut in knowing the information in the book. So that people could speak intelligently about the book, even though they didn't read the book, they just read, they just read the shorter version, they took a shortcut. I say all that to say that it's, it's probably cheating. Amen. But, but this is what we do. Now, some of you are saying, wait a minute, I read the book and the, and the spark notes. That wasn't cheating. No, you are good to go. You could sleep the rest of this message. You're going through the process just fine. But for the rest of us that just want the spark notes, this will hit home. A lot of people want the spark notes. Why? Because they just want to do just enough to get by. That's all. Just enough, man. I just, I just need to get a passing grade. I don't even care really if I get a 100% or a 95. Like I just need to pass. And then when I get into school, then I can get my grade up. As long as I get a passing grade, I'm good. And so I need to do just enough to get by. So I'll, I'll, read, the, I'll read the spark notes. I'll be able to get through it. And I was thinking about that, right? how we do that, how a lot of us do it, and how that applies to our walk with God and sanctification. See, a lot of us want the spark note version to get to God, right? We, we, don't, we don't want the, the, look at that, and look at that. See, we, we don't want the process. We, we want it real quick, real short. We don't want the King James version. We don't want the NAS, NASB version, ESV version, NIV, the Passion Translation version. We don't want all that version. We want the Spark Note version. We want to get there in the shortest route possible, spending the least amount of time that we have to spend with Him. I just want to make it to heaven. So just give me the Spark Note version. Just, just give me the highlights. You know, like salvation and sal yeah, those things. Just give me those. I'll take that. Let me, let me get the spark notes because I just need to make it to heaven. But I don't, I don't want to do a lot to get there. I don't want to really wait on it. I don't want to have to endure through anything. I don't want to have to persevere in the midst of it. I don't want to do any of that. I don't want to have to give up too much of it. So just give me the spark notes version. And so, because we don't want to wait upon the Lord, man, we'll run around kicking down doors, trying to get the information we're looking for, running around asking all kinds of other people to help us 
right? Like, like we don't want to read and do, do, do none of it on our own. So we'll go meet with the pastor. We'll go meet with our friend. You just tell me. I get this all the time. Pastor, you just tell me, well, how much are you reading your word? Well, you can tell me, what does that mean? No, no, read the word of God. But this is what we do when we run to other people. I'm not saying people aren't there to encourage you. They are, but they can't be the one that leads you to him solely by themselves. If you're coming on Sunday morning and this is the only word of God you're getting, you're not getting enough. I promise you that. You're trying to get by with a spark note version. I can only give you the highlights. I got 35 minutes with you. That's all I got. I try to break it down as good as I can, but that's the spark note version. We want the spark note version, the shortest route to get to know Jesus because Jesus sounds really cool. So I want to get to know him. I'd like to hear from him. People talk about hearing from him. So I'd like to, so give me the spark note version. But see, that's, that's just not the process that God takes us on. If we want to know him, live according to his word. Man, we, we got to walk through the sanctification process. We must endure it, persevere in the midst of it. We've got to trust God enough to wait on him to bring me exactly, exactly what I need. There's just no spark note version to sanctification, guys, to knowing God. And hear me, I understand this, that there is a spark when we receive salvation, right? There's this thing that's ignited inside of us, man. Boom. Oh my gosh, Jesus is real. This is amazing. I cannot believe it. I know when it, when it first hit me, I was like, this is insane. It's not just somebody that the pastor talked about or that my mom talked about one time in a, in a you know, bedtime story. No, 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 he's real. And he desires to, to know me and me to know him and walk with him and everything just was incredible. My eyes were, were opened. And we all get excited about that and we should. But do you know that's not the test? That's the promise. The promise isn't the test, guys. That's not the test. The process is the test. Not getting what we want when we want it and still being willing to wait upon God to bring it. That's the test. Not the promise. That isn't the test. That's the easy stuff. Man, when you first receive salvation, that's the promise. It's like, man, yeah, it's awesome. But once you get through the honeymoon stage and all of a sudden here comes the, the discipline, here comes the sacrifice, here comes God showing up and telling you to give up things that you actually like. But he says, you can no longer do that and follow me the way you need to follow me. That's the test. That's sanctification. There's no spark note version. There's only persevering through it. You know, in the book of James, it says rejoice in trials of many kinds because knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and allow perseverance to have its full effect so that you may be what? Perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Sanctification. All these things that come at us are the things God will use to sanctify us. See, way too often in our lives, right? We want what we want right away. And if we don't get it, We'll kick every door down to get it. We'll fight through every obstacle. Who cares? We'll run around like chickens with our heads cut off just to find it. Well, I want it now. I got to have it now. I got to go. Gotta go. But the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. That's what it says. In the stillness, know I am there is what the Lord says. 
We gotta trust that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He's working it. He's working on it. Isaiah reminds us, says those that wait upon the Lord, it'll be them that God renews their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint because they're willing to wait and walk through the process, not wanting the spark notes version to get to Jesus. We've got to trust the process, church. Trust that if we've given our lives to Christ and we're pursuing Jesus, we're going after him in the place of prayer, in his word and worship. We're hungering for him. We're going after him. If we are living that life, we have to trust that he has us right where he wants us to do the work he needs to do in us. We've got to trust that. Trusting that he will use everything the enemy means for harm for our good. Why? To sanctify us, to purify us. Because he created us not for impurity, but for sanctification. Even if he's not the one that brought us to the point in our lives where we are right now, it was our bad choices and the things that we did and we, we find ourselves in a really bad place, which I have found myself in many times and had to get on my face before God and repent. And he's always been faithful and just to forgive me. It's incredible, the grace of God. But God used those opportunities to also sanctify me, to show me things where I was lacking in my life that God wanted to bring provision in there so I no longer experienced those lacks. He revealed it even in the midst of that. It's incredible. He works all things, everything, turns everything the enemy means for harm, for our good, using it to sanctify us, making us more like him. First Thessalonians chapter four, Paul, he's, he's urging brothers and sisters in Christ. He's saying, I urge you in the Lord Jesus Christ that as you received instructions from us as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do, that you excel even more in that goal, in that desire going after Jesus. Excel even more for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. In other words, he's saying this, you know what tempts you in your life. You know the temptations you face. You know them. I may not know them, but I know mine. We know the sin that so easily entangles us. He says, you need to know your own vessel, your own body. You need to know it and make sure you you run away from it so that you will possess sanctification and honor. For God has not called us for impurity, but for sanctification. See, men and women of God, today the Lord is urging all of us to be a people who desires instruction, who's willing to walk through the process, whatever that process is for you. Some of it's the same, and we'll go over some of that next week real practically. What does that look like? How do we do it on a practical level? But today I wanted to give you a broad stroke of what this sanctification means, what it is. To not only walk away from evil, but also to be set apart for God. But there's no shortcuts. There's no, there's no spark notes to him. It's spending time with him all by yourself. Just you and him. Just you and him. In the stillness, he is there. 
Just you and him. There's no spark notes. Walk in a manner worthy of the call you have in Christ's heavenward. We are to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people separated for his own possession, completely all to him. And all to him, he wants us to come. But the truth is, it's hard at times because this flesh pulls, it's hard. It's hard to walk away and it's hard to be set apart at times because there's no spark notes, because there's no shortcuts or magic potions. It's simply walking day in and day out. Jesus, I choose you. I want you. I desire you. Help me. I want you. This is the only way we make it to sanctification by pursuing him. And even though it's hard, I promise you this, Paul has an amazing grasp on it, the apostle Paul, because he says this, he says, our present sufferings is not worth comparing to the glory that will be realized in us through Christ Jesus. So in other words, all the process we walk through here isn't gonna matter when we get to heaven. When we walk with him and talk with him and be with him and none of it even matters. We're like, oh, that was easy. We gotta try to see that and walk in that. And this miracle of sanctification is not done by power nor by might, but by his spirit, declares the Lord. As you pursue him, he will begin to cleanse you and help you walk for him. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll always stick closer to you than a brother. His presence will go before you, behind you, all around you, and within you, leading you through the process every single day. But we've got to get desperate for him, desperate for Jesus, wanting more of him, thirsting for him, hungering for him. Asking him to give us that hunger. Being sold out for him. Not just a spark notes Christian. Because I ain't going to make it. Spark notes Christian, you're not gonna, it's, they're not going to make it. It's about to get real hard. Real quick. They're already persecuting Christians and churches in America. They're already doing it. It's coming. Spark notes will not make it then. When the rubber meets the road. It'll be the truly hungry for him that will be able to withstand all the pressure the enemy's going to bring. Come on, stand to our feet. The Lord wants to prepare us, begin to awaken us to this miracle of sanctification, how we go about it so that we don't just stay as spark note Christians that we're Christians hungry and sold out for God. Giving him whatever he asks of us. You can have it all, Jesus. You can take every bit of it. You want the house, take it. You want the cars, take it. God, you want the bank account, you can take it. You can take every bit, I don't even care. You want the business, have it. You want this, have it. I really don't care. I just want you. And whatever that looks like, if something is blinding me and keeping me from you, remove it where he's got to get us to because that's the only type of faith that is going to endure to the end it really is with every head bowed every eye closed this miracle of sanctification cannot even be realized or 
brought about until we have the miracle of salvation. Man, we've got to choose this day whom we're going to serve. We've got to choose to give our hearts and our minds over to Jesus and say, Lord, I believe and receive you today. I want to, I want to live for you starting today. Today, I want to choose to serve you. And so right now, I'm going to ask if you've never given your life to Christ or you have and you've walked away, you've put him on the back burner, your relationship with him, I'm going to ask you just to lift up your hand right where you are. Because we don't have to leave this place the same way that we came in. We can leave knowing our security is found in eternity through Christ in us. So let's all just repeat after me and we'll say it together. Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart that you died for my sins and that God raised you to life again. And Lord, I confess with my mouth that you are Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner in need of a savior and so I ask you to come into my life and to make me new Lord I receive you Lord I want you Lord give me a hunger and thirst for your righteousness in Jesus name amen father I thank you for each and every person made that choice today to give their lives to you and I pray that for us God for those of us who have already given our hearts to you but God it's been a struggle being sanctified by you I pray Lord that starting today that by your spirit God you would start to strengthen us and put in us everything we need to make it through what you're calling us to go through I pray that give us a revelation of what it looks like to be sanctified in you through you for you I pray bless your people with it in Jesus mighty name